0: Uh, Merry Christmas everyone. Good to be with you all. I'm so grateful to gather with you today and uh, if we haven't met my name is Daniel and I have the pleasure of bringing you something from God's Word today about Jesus who was born as Savior of the world. And so if you have a Bible uh, you can open it to Matthew chapter 2. The scripture we'll be reading today is in Matthew 2. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 11, and the words are also going to be on the screen behind me so you could follow along. But if you've spent uh, any time in this church, then you know a little bit of the backstory of how this church got started a little little over two years ago. And uh, my family moved here for the purpose of starting this church. But for me, it was like coming home. When I moved here to Palos Verdes. You see, uh, growing up, I would spend every Christmas Eve in Palos Verdes at my grandparents' house. Are there any kids here right now with their grandparents? Anyone? Any kids in here? We've got. Nope. Oh, right down here. Awesome. Love it. With your grandparents. That's great. So for me, This is what I would do with my family on Christmas Eve. We would go to my grandparents' house and we'd always start out with a traditional meal. My grandmother was Norwegian, so she made some pretty epic food. And uh, there was obviously lots of presents all the time. And uh, at a certain point in the night, we would go outside on the street and just a few houses up behind where they lived, there was this Band, a brass band that would play Christmas songs from a balcony just above where they lived. And there were some years when I remember my grandmother would hop on the piano, and it was in the time when I was losing all my teeth. And I would sing with her, All I Want for Christmas Is My Two Front Teeth, right? (laughs) But one of the things that we always did on Christmas Eve is that we opened the Bible and we read about the birth of Jesus. Now, we would always read from Luke chapter 2, and I was usually the one to read it, and you might ask why. Well, it's because it's really cute to hear a little kid say Caesar Augustus without any teeth, <laughs> So, but, but if you would have told me as a child that once I grew up that I'd be spending my Christmas Eves here in Palos Verdes reading from the scriptures, and not just reading from them, but uh, giving explanation for them, preaching the gospel from them. I don't know that I would have believed you, but but here I am today. And, and, and that's because of who Jesus has become to me. Jesus is the God that I worship. And you may be here today on Christmas Eve for any one of these reasons. You might be here today because of family. You can be here today because of tradition Or because it's always enjoyable to listen to a little bit of Christmas music on Christmas Eve, right? But the greatest reason for why I know many of you guys have come here today is because you know and you love Jesus and you've come here to worship him. And so my prayer today is that we would all be able to depart from this place having worshipped Jesus. And so what I want to do here today is I want to give something that I did not have all those years ago growing up reading the Bible, which is an explanation from the Bible on what this day is all about. I want to be able to tell you what the Bible says about Jesus so that with faith you would be able to, in response, worship Jesus. And so because Jesus is worthy of worship and because the Word of God declares to us who He is, I want to do that with you right now. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 2 in verse 1, and this is what it says. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. And so we're first told here what what took place, right? Some timestamps are given here. First it says that it was after Jesus was born. So this could have been anywhere from two weeks up to two years after Mary who was a virgin mother, gave birth to God's son and named him Jesus. And so we're told that this also then took place in the days of Herod the king. Now, if you take those two people, Jesus and King Herod, you can get a pretty good sense of when all this was happening. What we're looking at right here is recorded history of people who lived approximately 2,000 years ago, And you could also pull in details from Luke's gospel account, which tells us things like that Jesus was born during the time when Caesar Augustus took a census of the people, or or during the time when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And the Bible gives us these details, but so do other sources of writing from uh, ancient Jewish historian like Josephus tells us about the time when Jesus lived and these different leaders. And so these names that we read about in the Bible, they might not ring a bell for you, uh, but we have to ask, why are such details given in the Christmas story? Why does this matter? And the reason for the writers of the gospel giving us these names and these details is because they want to show us, and and what I want to show you today is that Jesus was a real man who was born at a certain time in history. You see, Christmas is not fable. Christmas is history. It's history about how Jesus, the Son of God, was born around the time of these various governing leaders like Caesar Augustus, Governor Quirinius, and King Herod. And let's just say that in general, like the the political climate of that day wasn't looking so good. And yet Jesus, when he came, he brought with him a whole other kingdom that he rules and that he reigns over. And so before we get introduced here to some of the other characters in the Christmas story, characters that you might be more familiar with, like the wise men, I want us to see the locations where these things were taking place so that we could sort of get our mindset geographically. Because remember, this all happened in a real place. We're told there in verse 1 that Jesus was born in a town called Bethlehem. We just sang a song, Oh, Little Town of Bethlehem. And that town is located in the southern region of Israel, a region called Judea. And Jesus was born in that town, and it was, a, it was predicted that he would be born there. You could go visit that town today, and, and in fact, not very far from Bethlehem is another city, one that's much bigger and much more prominent, and that is the city of Jerusalem. Now, we're also told here that there were some wise men in the story and that they came from the east and they came to Jerusalem. And again, I want us to understand why these details are given. Like, why does it even matter? Because again, this really happened. People, time, locations, Directions are all given to show us that Jesus was a real person born into real time and into real space. But listen, what we're going to see today from the Bible is that this child that was born is unique. You see, Jesus was born to rule as a king. And Jesus will be declared here in the next verse that we're going to read as King of the Jews but he's also described in the Bible as the king of all kings, because you see, Jesus is more than a child. He's more than a man. He's more than a king. Jesus is God. And for that reason, he's worthy of our attention and our worship today. So let's start reading again in verse one, and we're going to see some now other details as we enter the dialogue in verse two. It says here, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So after mentioning Jesus and Herod and and Bethlehem and Jerusalem, Matthew says, behold, behold, And that word is meant to grab your attention. Behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem. So this word behold is meant to cause us to think, hmm, there's there's something unusual about this situation. This was not something that you would normally see, and so it's worth us thinking about. And so we want to ask some questions now. Like, who are these wise men? Where are they coming from? Where are they going and what are they looking for? And all of those questions can be answered right here in these verses. Now, look, there, there is plenty that the Bible gives us to tell us who these guys were and to answer these questions. And yet there's a lot that the Bible doesn't say that, that people with their traditions have sort of added. So first we're told what these people were. They were wise men. And in the original language that the Bible was written in, uh, you might find that this word magos is better translated magi. And a magi in those days was someone who was really wise, somebody who was very learned, right? And magis were experts in many fields of study. For instance, they studied sciences like astronomy and mathematics and geography, but Not only that, they were well-versed in things like history and philosophy and religion, but perhaps what magi were most notable for was that they had dreams and visions and insights, and these were obtained through things like magic and sorcery and astrology so tradition, what it tells us is that these magi were kings and that there were three of them. And there's even tradition that tells us what their names were. But the Bible doesn't give us any specific details to tell us those things. We're simply told that magi came to Jesus to worship him. That word is plural, meaning that there was more than one. But look, there could have been three. There could have been 30 There could have been 3,000 magi that came to worship Jesus on this day. And so we're told here, behold, wise men came from the east. They came from the east of Israel, which was a land that was um, occupied by pagan Gentiles who were known for worshiping other deities, and they were into all sorts of practice of, of lawlessness and sin, And we're not told the exact land that they came from. Traditions have told us that they came from Persia or India or Arabia. But again, these details aren't expressed. What we are told here is that Magi came from the east. But what are they coming to do? They're coming to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is the capital city of Israel. It's the central place of of religious life for the Jews. Uh, Jerusalem was an incredible place place at that time. It still is today. You can go and visit it. In fact, King Herod, who we'll read about in this story, was known for some amazing building projects in Jerusalem that you can still go see today. One of them being the renovation of the Jewish temple that you can go and see. And so these are the questions that we have answered already. We've been looking at this text, and it tells us who these wise men were, we, we've learned where they're coming from, and we've learned where they're going, but now we want to ask this very important question, what are they looking for? And we're told explicitly what they were looking for in verse 2. It says, they came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So the wise men came from Jerusalem, and they were looking for one who was born and they they somehow had some insight that this was the king of the Jews, right? And how did that, they have this insight, how did they know? Well, it says there that they saw his star when it rose, and so they came to worship him. Now, this is something to behold right here. We're told here many things about these wise men. Details are given here in the Bible, but there's still some things that are left for us to wonder about, like what In the world is the star that came. And and what we know, remember, is that these magi, they were uh, experts in astronomy and astrology, meaning that they studied the skies and they believed that the stars gave meaning to the world. And so, in their study of the starry skies, they saw this one peculiar star. What star did they see? Well, the Bible says right there that it was his star. This wasn't just any star in some way, and somehow it was his star. The star that they saw belonged to the child who had been born as king of the Jews. And what we know from the Bible is that God created all the stars that we see, and each star has purpose, and together all the stars have purpose of giving glory to God. And the Jews knew this, and they declared this in the Word of God. For instance. King David wrote this in Psalm chapter 8, verse 3 through 4. He said, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? And then listen to what God says about himself in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 25 to 26. He says, to whom will you compare me? Or or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each one of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Listen, God made every star and he knows each one by name. He knows every star just like he knows every person who has ever existed. And yet God made one particular star for one special person. He made a star that would direct these wise men to this child that was to be a king. And that's why the Magi called it, his star. It's Jesus's star. And technically speaking, it is his star because all things were made by Jesus and all things were made for Jesus. But in, in taking special note and interest in this star, the Magi followed it and they, it led them to Israel. And, and when they came, they came seeking one who was to be born king of the Jews. And, and so you can imagine these guys showing up into Jerusalem and making these kinds of claims. Behold, right? Behold, just look at how strange it is for Gentiles from the east seeking a Jewish king in a land that was completely foreign to them, saying that a star led them there and that there was this baby that was to be the king of the Jews, and not only that, but that they were coming to worship this child. So Gentile magicians are coming to worship an infant Jewish king. Behold, that's, that's interesting, isn't it? Well, in verse three, we're told a little bit more about the king that ruled during that time, King Herod, who was the king of Judea at the time when the wise men came looking for this newborn king. Verse three tells us, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him but I guess that seems like a proper response to a king who finds out from Eastern wise men that there's this baby that was born who's going to establish a new rule and reign and, and that he has his own star. And so we know that King Herod loved to be the king. Uh, he, he loved to be the star, hence his name was known as Herod the Great. And in a lot of ways, Herod was great. He, as I said, renovated the Jewish temple. You could go to Israel today, and many of the magnificent things that you still see there in Israel today are because of the building feats of this guy, Herod. So no building project was impossible for this guy. But in other ways, he was not great. You see, anyone who threatened Herod's power was dealt with very harshly. Uh, Herod, killed his own wife, mother-in-law, and three of his kids because he felt that they were trying to take away his throne. And so we could definitely say this guy was troubled, right? He was a troubled man. And, and, and not only that, but in the last years of Herod's life, we're told in history that Herod had this disease that caused paranoia. And we see later in Matthew, in fact, that he had every male child under the age of two in and around Bethlehem, killed because he was afraid of this baby who was going to take his power. And yet the family of Jesus was warned about this and they were able to flee. But Herod eventually did die. And when he was about to die, he ordered that every Jewish noble, anyone who was important, anyone who was loved and honored in Israel was to be rounded up and killed. And the reason he did this is because he wanted to make sure that people would cry on the day that he died, because he thought that when he died, no one would miss him. That's a troubled man. And so we're told all of Jerusalem was troubled with him, perhaps because they knew, right, if Herod was feeling threatened, that there was going to be a big crackdown on the Jewish people. And so then what does Herod do when he receives this news about this newborn king? In verse four, it says, and he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people, and he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So Herod gets his own wise men. He, he decides to call in the chief priests and the scribes of the people, and these were the religious leaders. These were the experts of Jewish law. They spent their days studying the scriptures, the Old Testament that we still have here in our Bibles, and he asked them this question. He said, where is the Christ to be born? So what the chief priests do is they put their heads together, and they found out that it was written in the scriptures in a prediction that was given 700 years prior by a prophet named Micah, and Micah is one of the books in our Old Testament Bible, and there's a prophecy about Jesus there that talks about how Christ, the Messiah of the Jews, was to rule and reign over God's people, and that he was to be born in Bethlehem. And so this is who Jesus is. And in fact, Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophetic predictions. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. He is the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one of God. And so they come back to Herod and they give him the answer that he was looking for. Herod asked, what does it say about Christ and where he would be born? And they quoted to Herod these words from the prophet Micah in verses 5 and 6. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophets. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, I'm going to hold off on going into detail about that prophecy, because tomorrow, on Christmas morning, Rob told you about that Christmas Day special. And in the teaching there, I go into detail on that prophecy from Micah chapter 5 about who Jesus is and what he is to us. And, And so we just want to gather here from this that Herod got the answer that he was looking for. Where is Christ to be born? And this child was born in Bethlehem, which means, right, that the wise men came to the wrong place. They're in Jerusalem. They're thinking this is the place where a king would be, this prominent city of Jerusalem, and yet Jesus was born into a humble city called Bethlehem. And so they go and they try to find him. And and here's the thing, guys, is that everything was lining up for them to find Jesus. The stars were aligning, the prophecies were aligning. Everything was pointing for them to go to Bethlehem. Even Herod will say that he is aligned with the wise men and that he too wants to worship this child who is going to be the ruler and the shepherd. And so, what do the wise men do? They go to Bethlehem. And being ordered by Herod, they're told that they need to bring back information about this new king. And, and to come back and to tell him about him. And so let's read down in verses 7 through 11 and see if the wise men find what they were looking for. It says this, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. So there in a little town called Bethlehem, was a young child, a child with his mother, Mary. And the Magi found these two together because that star came, rose up in the sky, and rested over the place where the child was. Now, now there's a few things that we need to know about how the Magi found Jesus. The stars of creation pointed them to Jesus the word of God from the prophets pointed them to Jesus. Herod, even, a secret enemy of God, pointed them to Jesus. But look, even with all those things pointing the wise men to Jesus, notice they still had to search for him. They searched diligently for him until they found him. Now, when they found the star resting over the place where that child was, what was their response? We see that in verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now, did the wise men have great joy because they saw the star? No. See, their joy was not for the sake of the star itself, because remember, it's his star. The star led the wise men to Jesus. And so with rejoicing, they knew that they had come to the right place at the right time and that they had found Jesus. And look, God loves to do that, you know. He loves to line things up. He loves to lead you to the right place at the right time so that you can find Jesus. He lines things up in your life so that you come in contact with this king. Now, now I want you to look here at verse 11 of how they responded once they found Jesus. Verse 11 says, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, listen, I've got three kids, and and my kids are pretty great, Um, but I've never experienced somebody coming into my house, and in seeing one of my kids, they fall down and worship them. Any parent ever seen that happen? Maybe when, like, the mother-in-law comes to visit or something, right? But no, really, as lovely as our children are to us, they are not the object of our worship. So there's something unique about this child named Jesus, that wise men would humbly fall down and worship a child. They recognize something about Jesus that that we ought to recognize. And that is Jesus is worthy of highest honor and glory and praise because he is the king. See, these wise men seem to have known something about the kingship of Jesus. And, And the reason I think they knew something Something more at this time is is because of the gifts that they brought to him. We're told here that Jesus was given three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which is why many people make the assumption that there were three wise men, because there were three gifts. Yet, what do these gifts mean? Because look, they they seem like pretty odd gifts to give to a child, right? I, I doubt that anyone has some myrrh wrapped under the tree for their kids tomorrow. You know, we all, we all wouldn't mind some gold in our stockings, but just saying. So, so there's gold, there's frankincense, and there's myrrh. And in each of these gifts, are telling us something about Jesus. Something that the wise men seem to have known about him as God was directing them to come in contact with his son. First, he was given gold. And gold was and still is a very valuable resource. And in those days, it represented royalty. And so by bringing him gold, they were affirming Jesus as king. But look, this was also provision for Jesus and for his family, because the family of Jesus, because of Herod, would have to flee Bethlehem, become refugees in Egypt, and then eventually settle into this obscure city in the north called Nazareth. And it was this gold that would become the provision for this humble king that was born into a humble family. And then he's given frankincense. And frankincense is this strong smelling resin that was used for incense and perfumes. And frankincense was burned on the altar of incense in that holy temple, in the holy place in Jerusalem. And and so it was emphasizing uh, to them and it emphasizes to us that, that they affirmed Jesus as being God. They viewed him as worthy of worship of prayer, and of holy offerings. But lastly, they gave Jesus, as a child, they gave him myrrh. And this has to be the most interesting of the three gifts. Because, look, gold could be used for anything. Frankincense could be used for, for a few things, but myrrh was pretty much used for one thing. In the ancient world, especially among the Jews, myrrh was used for embalming dead bodies. Why would a child be given that gift? Well, because you see, Jesus didn't remain a child. Jesus eventually grew up, and as he grew up, he he grew in favor with both God and man. Jesus was eventually baptized, and the Holy Spirit came upon him, and when Jesus began his ministry, we read about that in the Gospels. And Jesus, as a man was worshipped by many and hated by many. He he was loved and he was worshipped for the things that he said and he did. Jesus taught like no one else ever has. And he performed amazing miracles. He even raised people from the dead. He ministered to the Jews first, but he also ministered to Gentiles, to anyone really who had faith, anyone who wanted to learn about his kingdom. He would tell them. But look, Jesus came for one particular purpose, and that was to die on a cross as a sacrifice for sin so that we could enter the kingdom of God. And so Jesus was crucified. He was crucified by both Jews and Gentiles in order to save them both, in order that he could be the savior, not just of the Jews, but of the world. And when he was taken off of that cross that he hung upon for our sins he was embalmed in 75 pounds of myrrh and aloe. He was laid in a tomb that was also given to him just as a gift, but he didn't have to use that tomb for very long because three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. And because Jesus came for that purpose, that from his birth and from his life and from his death to his resurrection, Jesus proved to be who the wise men knew him to be. Wisdom tells us that Jesus is the only God and Savior of the world. This child that was born to be king of the Jews had that sign nailed to the cross above his head. It said there, king of the Jews. And when he was lifted up on that cross, he said, I will draw all people to myself. And that is what Jesus has been doing ever since. And I pray that he's been aligning things up in your life today so that he could draw you to himself. If everything has been pointing you to this point to come to this house today so that you could behold your king who was born as a child, who lived a perfect and sinless life because you and I never have. And and he could die a perfect death for sinners, just like you and me. And Jesus was raised from the dead to prove his place as God and Savior and as King of this world. Amen? Amen? Amen. And so I know why I've come here today. I've come here to worship Jesus as my King. And I pray that that would be so for you today. And so let's pray and we'll welcome the worship team back up. Lord God, we thank you for this time here that reveals to us in your word about who you are, that you are God and King and Savior of the world. And I pray that we would all behold that fact, that we would all see and know, Lord, that you love us and that you went to the greatest extent, which was to die for us and to be raised for us so that we could have new life in you, Jesus. I pray for anyone here today who would want to accept that gift that comes from you, Lord, that they would receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Eloise. <laughs> when, we, uh, when we end this, this time here, I, I, I just want to ask a question as we're, as we're ending here is, where do you see yourself in this story? You learn a lot of details, you learn a lot of facts, you learn a lot of characters perhaps from this teaching today, but where do you see yourself in the story? And and we always like to see ourselves in stories, don't we? Uh, So which character resonates with you most? And and there is a star of the story. I'm not talking about the literal star, I'm talking about Jesus. Jesus is the star of the story and only Jesus can be Jesus in this story. You, You can't be Jesus in this story. You have to be one of the supporting roles. And so perhaps today you're like Herod, who wants to be the star of your own life story. Herod wanted to be king and any threat to his position of authority and power made him troubled. And perhaps you're here today and the issue of somebody else being in charge of your life troubles you. Look, does the idea of Jesus becoming king and God and savior of your life trouble you? Jesus said, do not be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. See, Jesus can and should be worshiped, but only those who are humble enough to receive him can worship him. And so maybe you want to be more like those wise men. And so whatever led you to this house today, again, it might be because family brought you or tradition brought you or the music brought you or whatever's brought you today, Jesus knows that you've come here today and he's been lining things up for you to come so that the real you can meet with the real Jesus. And and so we are told by God that you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your hearts. See, the wise men were diligent to do just that. There is wisdom in searching for and finding and worshiping Jesus. Jesus is wanting to be found by you today. In fact, he is seeking you. He has been seeking you, and you've come to this house today. You've come to this point where everything has been leading you to worship Jesus as your king, as your God as your crucified and risen Savior. And so this might be the first day for you that you worship Jesus for who he really is. And and so we're gonna close in this song. I I, I don't think any one of us wanna be troubled like Herod. I think every single one of us would wanna be like a humble and wise person who would come and say, Jesus, you are worthy of my worship. And so let's all stand up together. And for anyone here today who wants to worship Jesus for the first time for who he really is. You can do that right now. We're going to end this song and and you can proclaim him for who he is. And as you do, I just want that to be something between you and God. But I just want to tell you this, please, if you decide today that you want Jesus to be your king, would you tell somebody about it? Perhaps come to me or, or Pastor Rob who gave the announcements earlier, Pastor Ben here who does worship. Any one of us here, we would wanna know that you made a decision today to say, you know what, I'm done being king of my own life. I want Jesus to be my king. Would you tell somebody that? Perhaps the person who brought you to this service today, would you tell them that you wanna know more about this child who is a king? We'd love to tell you more about him. So let's worship him today. Amen, church? Amen.